Hello, my name is Adrian Goldberg and welcome to the Byline Times podcast. The Byline Times, it's what the papers don't say, what radio doesn't report and what telly doesn't tell you. This time, the story of Desi pubs. These are Indian-owned drinking establishments in the UK and they tell two very different but interrelated stories about this country. One is a story of segregation that most British people would rather forget. The other is a story of communities growing together through a shared love of food and beer, which we'd like to celebrate. We'll be hearing from David Jesse Darson, the author of Desi Pubs, A Guide to British Indian Pubs, Food and Culture. Before we get to David, though, a reminder that the Byline Times podcast is funded by subscriptions to the Byline Times. That's our brilliant monthly newspaper, which combines the best of our online offerings with content that you can't read anywhere else. Find out how to subscribe at bylinetimes.com. And don't forget as well, our new film at Byline TV with John Sweeney, Zarina Zabriskie and Kaylin Robertson. It's called The Eastern Front, Terror and Torture in Ukraine. Reveals details of Russian war crimes following their invasion of their neighbour. You can watch it over at byline.tv. Now, Desi Pubs, written by David Jesse Darson, is not a traditional pub or beer guide. If it was, honestly, we wouldn't be talking about it here on the Byline Times podcast. So, David, welcome. Tell us why we are talking about it and why it's so important to our audience. So, Desi Pubs came out of the struggle to break what is known as the colour bar. So the colour bar was where non-white people were banned from pubs or certain parts of pubs and they were segregated. A great example is Smethwick, which had a high Punjabi influx after the Second World War to work in the foundries. And during their lunch breaks, they would go to the pub to drink pints of mild, which were poured for them at the bar. Often some of the pubs wouldn't serve them or they had to sit in certain rooms to drink their pints. There were peaceful protests to break this colour bar, which was done by the organisation, the Indian Workers Association. And one of their leaders, after Johal Singh, showed Malcolm X the segregation in Smethwick, both in housing, in Marshall Street, and took him to the Blue Gates pub. Both of them went inside, they asked to be served, and Malcolm X wasn't served. And there's a great quote that he has. When they experienced Smethwick in 1965, he said, this is worse than Harlem. And what he meant by that was that the segregation in this country at the time was worse than what he experienced in America. And you've mentioned housing there. Smethwick, which is in the black country, now part of the borough of Sandwell, at that time had its own town council and operated a colour bar in reference to its housing. So there were streets in which only white residents were permitted. So this wasn't just a story about pubs. It's a story of housing and a, a much broader structural discrimination that was going on in British society at the time. I mentioned those foundry workers. And in the foundries that they worked in, they had to have separate toilets. They also were paid less compared to their white counterparts. And they had to do hot, horrible work. There were barbers that wouldn't cut their hair. There were shops that wouldn't serve them. And this was replicated all around the UK. I live in South East London, a pub near me in Lewisham, operated a colour bar, and the landlord at the time wouldn't serve the mayor of Lewisham, who went in with his black friend. So this was part of that thing that we often do see of no blacks, no Irish, no dogs. 
but this is how it was acted out in the public sphere. And so pubs became the battleground for this. And you mentioned Malcolm X. He visited Smethwick, I think, nine days before he was killed in the United States. There's a, a plaque now to him in this place called Marshall Street in Smethwick, which had segregated housing as well. But the fact that a figure of his stature was attracted to this small black country town, I think, is an indicator of how deeply embedded this issue was. And I think certainly growing up, I was given an understanding of how segregation worked in the United States. That was seen as a very different thing to the United Kingdom. And even in the UK context, you had Northern Ireland, where there were civil rights marches by Catholics in the 1960s and the early 70s, leading to what we call the Troubles. That, again, from this side of the Irish Sea, was seen as something away from Britain. But the story of Desi pubs tells us that discrimination was rife and it was here, wherever you were in the United Kingdom. It's funny because I actually went yesterday to Smethwick and I went down to Marshall Street and I spoke to a few people who were subject to the colour bar. And one of the interesting things that took place is that if they were allowed into certain pubs that had a white landlord who was racist, then they would have to have different glasses to their white counterparts. They would have to have glasses with handles. So it treated subhuman. And I think a lot of people want to know why this took place. And I think the answer lies in empire. The colour bar existed in India. So if you were an Indian, uh, you were brown, you weren't allowed into drinking bars and that kind of thing. And it really was an import from that at a time when Commonwealth citizens, we're talking people like my parents, my dad came from Singapore, my mum came from Malaysia with British passports. So these were British citizens that were subject to this level of segregation. And I mentioned that pub in Lewisham. There was also another pub near me that operated a colour bar right up to the mid-90s. It had a Jamaican bar and an Irish bar, and it had separate toilets. The black toilets were actually outside. People would say that you could drink in both bars, but the reality was when I spoke to black customers, they were told to drink in the other bar when they tried to get served. So this kind of segregation is, was around us and amongst us. And we just really didn't notice it. Yes, I had an Irish uncle who lived in Wilsdon Green in London in the 90s. I was told to meet him in a particular pub in Wilsdon Green, but to only go in the one bar, which was the Irish bar, not to go into the other bar, which was in the language of the time described as the West Indian bar. And it seemed never the twain shall meet. And as recently as the 1980s, you had something called the Hansworth Horticultural Club. Hansworth, many people will know as a centre of multiculturalism in Birmingham. It's the home of one of the greatest UK reggae bands, Steel Pulse. But in the 1980s, if you were black, you could not be served in that club. That club was a really interesting test case because they were taken to court in the 90s. What people found was that because it was a club, they could vet their customers and so what actually happened is to become a member, you had to sign up and be proposed. But what actually happened was if someone proposed a member that was non-white, 
then it was frowned upon. So they never got to even the sort of interview stage. They were operating this colour bar into the 90s when Handsworth actually was a majority non-white area. They came up with all these excuses of like, well, we don't go to their pubs. We don't go to their clubs. They're allowed to come in. And it's all this kind of excuse for racism, which kind of resonated with me and reminded me very much of the incident in Essex with the gollywogs, where a sign was put outside the pub saying, we've got gollywogs in here. If you don't like it, then this pub isn't for you if you're offended. And to me, they are operating a colour bar there. I've been subject to it as well. I've been to pubs in South East London where in the 90s and noughties I've walked in and they've said, you do realise this is a Millwall pub. And so I go, so what? Can I have a pint? And they say, it's for Millwall supporters only. So it's kind of like coded words to get round the sort of legislation that we have. But it's very obvious that if you go to a pub and even if they're not very warm or welcoming to you and they don't make you feel very safe to be there, then I think that is in a way a very much a sort of extension of the colour bar. Yes, I suppose I'm labouring this point at the start of the podcast because I think it's just really important that we establish that this is, for people of your generation, for people of my generation, this is how the UK has been. And I think it's a part of UK life that we either try to pretend never existed or we simply just ignore altogether like it wasn't there. But clearly part of your lived experience in a different way, part of my lived experience. And this character, Avtar Singhal, who you mark in the book, he was very much about challenging this, not accepting this. And we'll talk about some of the legislation that's come in and we'll talk about some of the landlords who changed this. But he was a, a truly significant figure in all this. He was a communist and he was used to challenging things, a firebrand. He was like this as a child, taking on the authorities, that kind of thing. So when he came to this country, he was a bit different to his Punjabi counterparts in that they were poorly educated, they didn't speak English, whereas he was very educated. And his plan was, with his comrades at the Indian Workers Association, was to go into these public houses with a white person who's usually a student. So the white person would get served the beer. And when the landlord or bartender noticed the beer was for him, being an Asian man, they would get barred, both of them. He knew that would happen. But what he then did was he would mark down that evidence and then give it to the magistrates. So when the pub's licences came up for a renewal, they would then lose their licence. And often it would be the case that Desi's would step in to take over a pub. And I asked his son about what he thought of the fact that there are so many Desi pubs in Smevik and West Bromwich. And he said, well, actually, he walked past them with a kind of cheeky grin, saying, we never were allowed in these places, and now we own them. I think he's a very influential, a very inspirational figure to British Asians like myself, because we're so used to accepting racism not talking about it in an elegant way. And he saw racism as systemic. We're talking interviews from the 60s into the 90s, where he said that he had no hate for the people who were racist. He just said they were actors for the state. And this made me think that all the people that are racist now or do racist things, they're just parroting certain things that they're told by the media, by politicians or all those people who spread hate on the far right, they're just acting out. They're not really true beliefs, because Desi pubs show that when you get 
Indian people, white people, Irish people, Jamaican people together, then they get on and they offer social cohesion. So this kind of acting out of racism is like, don't blame them. They are cowards, really. That's what he's saying. He had a great example in the 90s where after doing all this great work in the 60s and breaking the colour bars, he went to a pub and the people in this pub were calling him a taxi driver, saying, oh, you're a taxi driver, you're a taxi driver, get me a taxi. And they were calling him the P word and that kind of thing. And that actually happened to me where I grew up in Market Town in Bedfordshire, my first pint I had in a pub. And it just shows that what they're really saying is that this space isn't for you. You're a taxi driver because that's how they see Asian people. But these aren't empowered people being a taxi driver. That's what they think. I'm not denigrating taxi drivers. But what I'm saying is that they don't want us to be equals. They want us to be below them. And for me, that's not acceptable. And I feel very empowered by Avatar and the work he did because I don't feel like you should go into a pub and made to feel second rate. Uh, a friend just messaged me recently. He went to the West Country and he loves pubs and was tweeting about how much he liked it. And then he kind of private messaged me and said, people were staring at me in every pub I walked into. And I was like, oh, it's still quite difficult, isn't it, to navigate the modern world? Although that's not segregation and you're still being served, it's not a celebration, is it, though, Adrian? Indeed not. Now, in 1965... The Race Relations Act was introduced and this outlawed discrimination in public places in Great Britain on the grounds of colour, race or ethnic or national origin. How important was that in challenging this kind of endemic racism that Avatar Singh Johal's generation faced? On one hand, it ended it in public. But what I would point out about that legislation is that it didn't include clubs. So working men's clubs, the one you mentioned, the Hansworth Horticultural Institute, still could legally operate a colour bar. And in fact, Labour Party clubs did do it. But what it did do is it did publicly say that racism for the first time is not acceptable. And so it's a very important piece of legislation that has been reworked and gone back over time. But that is effectively what made segregation illegal but herein lies a problem very few places were taken to court for segregation we mentioned those subjects that went up into the 90s and so often i'm asked by people why is that and i think that really it, the authorities were in on it the police particularly and so there's a story that i was told by a landlord in southeast london who wished to remain nameless and he ran a pub which had white people and Caribbean people in there. And a guy picked up a pint pot and he threw the pint at a black couple and it smashed in their faces. So he barred this guy after it became a big fight and public disorder thing. And then the next day, the police came in with this guy and said, you barred him, but you must serve him. And so they were in on it and they were part of this problem. There were permissive places, like Soho, anyone could get served in London. But in other places, it was very different. And segregation did continue until the mid-90s. Interestingly, though, the pub that I mentioned that did have segregation to the mid-90s is now Weatherspoons. And it is now the number one Weatherspoons in London and the number two Weatherspoons in the country. And Weatherspoons, although it's the chain which has certain problematic practices, should get a lot of praise because they had a pub manager who came in and saw that people were self-segregating 
even though the colour bar had ended and the pub wasn't cut in half, they still weren't sitting amongst each other. So he made sure that that happened by moving tables around, getting people to talk about all the this kind of thing. And I think that there are a lot of cases of the colour bar being broken and healed by influential individuals like Caesar. I don't want to suggest for a moment that racism has disappeared from pubs, certainly hasn't disappeared, sadly, from life in the UK. But there is a positive story to tell here as well, because Desi pubs, and these are pubs essentially owned by people of Indian heritage in the UK, usually of Punjabi heritage, but people who we might describe as British Indian in the main, taking over pubs, creating a distinctive ambience that one way or another reflects their heritage, doesn't hide it, isn't ashamed of it, in fact celebrates it, but which also manages to be inclusive to all. Serves distinctive food, very often a mixed grill, for example, tandoori cooked mixed grill, may or may not have great craft beer, that's a, a point of contention. But these places of which the West Midlands is, I think, the national epicentre, but which are now in parts of London, other parts of the Midlands as well. They've created a very distinctive and vibrant and inclusive pub culture. I'm often asked what the word Desi means, and it's a word that could be interpreted in many ways. It means the home. It means like what India was like, to bringing a bit of India, the Desiness is about keeping our culture while everything changes around us. But this idea of home manifests itself in the pub by the Desi landlord being very welcoming by welcoming you into his home and treating you like you're a family member, which is very much the ideal of what a pub is in general. And so it works very well because these pubs are seen as community spaces. They often take over community pubs that were failing because they were wet pubs that were only doing drinks. And so the food aspect brings people together, especially because you mentioned the mixed grill. And the mixed grill is the ultimate sharer. It's a communal food. And if you think of a British mixed grill, Adrian, it's very different, isn't it? Like with a sausage, maybe a lamb chop, a tomato. Yeah, for people who don't know, uh, a mixed grill would come out to you on a, a sizzling platter, might have lamb chops on it, might have shish kebab on it, it might have chicken wings on it, and it will be a mountain of meat. Vegetarian options are always available as well, I should point out. And as you say, in, intrinsically made for sharing. And it's created a very distinctive culture, which I would argue celebrates the, the best of the British pub, that kind of friendly, welcoming, everybody can come and join in kind of atmosphere, but which acknowledges the heritage of the person or the people who run it. Yeah, I think it's important that the social cohesion element that pubs offer in general. So when these pubs changed, there was an element of do I really want my pub run by an Indian? And then people would sit there, give it a go, I'm with a grumbling in the corner. And then suddenly you could see a sizzling platter of meat come through, the theatre of it. And then they'll have a few drinks, they'll talk to the landlord, and then suddenly they're, hang on a minute, this is all right. Before I was sat on my own in this pub, this pub was dying. And we don't really talk about this, but I do believe that there are cases where people can stop being racist. A good example of this actually is a pub in London. It's actually a Gujarati pub. And he grew up in the area and experienced a lot of racism when he was at school. And then when he opened the pub, he noticed that one of his customers was one of the people that bullied him at school. 
And the guy came over and recognised him and said, that I'm really sorry, I was a different person. And he'd stayed there and his area changed. He realised this wasn't the way to do things. And that publican and that guy became best friends and they became part of the pub together and they showed how we can be post-racism. And I think that that's wonderful part of putting the book together, that it did offer me and other people some hope about racism in 2023. And the place where you can see that I would suggest most vividly is the place where we started this podcast in Smethwick, where Malcolm X came in 1965 to witness the segregation, to see the colour bar in practice. Smethwick is now one of the places with the highest concentration of Desi pubs, which incidentally have ensured that in many working class areas of this country, pubs have remained open which otherwise would have closed and it's a place where as well as the asian and african caribbean customers the white customers actually it seems to me and i speak as one of them take pride in the fact that they now have these great institutions in their midst i think that the greatest success is probably the blue gates it's now a desi pub that no segregation exists there anymore. It's now the official pub for the Albion, isn't it, Adrian? West Bromwich Albion Supporters Club, yeah. Yeah, and then the Red Cow around the corner had the Conservatives Club next to it, and Mosley would give speeches and go and sit with his acolytes in that pub. And now it's around by Berra, who's a sort of whirlwind of energy, 65 years old, former Kabaddi champion, a wrestler, tug of war, that kind of thing. He's just a wonderful, wonderful character. And the good thing there is that, yes, he set this pub up, took it over and made it a safe space. But his son, Kyle, could have taken the pub over, but decided to move and open one out near the Cotswolds in Evesham. Because really what we should be doing as children of empire is moving into different places and making every part of this country multicultural, which is difficult because I have lots of experiences of being in rural areas and having experienced racism. But I really do love the countryside. And I think this is the next step. We've made certain areas post-racism, but it's now time to make the whole country post-racism. David, thank you for your time. That's David Jesu Darson. His book, Desi Pubs, A Guide to British Indian Pubs, Food and Culture, is published by camera. I'm Adrian Goldberg. This has been the Byline Times podcast funded by subscriptions to the Byline Times, our fantastic monthly newspaper. Please take out a subscription and support their great work and our work too. You'll get details about subscriptions at bylinetimes.com. This episode has been produced by me and by Harvey White. It is a We Bring Audio production for Byline Times. See you again very soon. But for now, thank you and goodbye.